All right, we're back, baby. It's podcast time. Uh, Nashad's here. Hey, how you doing? What up, dude? Hey, you know, I was hanging out. I uh, just, uh, I drove over here, even though I could have walked very easily. I was wondering. I was gonna ask. Yeah, yeah coming from Central Ave. Yeah, it's only about a. It's a nine-minute walk, about a two-minute drive. You know, it's right over there. You know, like probably the first set of streets you can turn on to in New Brunswick from here. Yeah. And it was like, it was nice today. It got kind of, yeah. got a little shitty at night. But like, Towards the still, end, it got real cold, yeah. Dude, I'm like, I'm fiending for that spring weather, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm it's sensing like, it. They're giving us little, like, you know, methadone hits of it. They're yeah. like, all right, you guys are dying over here. Let me let me give you a little taste. A little and then bit just, of like, Take it away, you know? Yeah, man. What, December, January, January, February, um, I always think I need to move the fuck out of New Jersey every yeah. time. You know, I really don't like to think like that. And previously, I've always, like... You know, held it over. Other folks been like, "Hey, listen, you guys can uh, emulate whatever popular culture or whatever is coming out of here, but you're gonna be from some warm place, some warm country. You know, you don't know what it's like over here. This is what gives us our edge." Yeah, it's but, true. But you know, I was driving around the, uh, you know, not too long ago. I I just gotten back from Mexico, and uh, I was nice. just like, "Fuck this, man!" Oh wait, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, say whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> say whatever. Yeah. Fuck this, man. I can't deal with this no more, you know? Yeah. No. Ah. I think the cold does give us our edge. Like, our like New Jersey's got that, like, get the fuck out of my way attitude. Oh, like, yeah, totally. In a yeah. cool way, you know? So, I fuck with that. Yeah, we're, we're back. I took a week off. I was telling you, uh, I was, I've been throwing up nonstop, dude, for, like, the past oh, two shit. weeks. I don't, I'm not even sick. I just have like a bad stomach, oh. and it like it. Yeah, take up a probiotic uh, supplements. You know? yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Kombucha. Drink that stuff, huh? Yeah, that stuff's good. All that like um, like probiotic pills, Greek yogurt, kombucha. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Oikos, I, I, baby, Oikos. That's right. The plug. I got Crohn's disease, and it's just I ate oh, I ate something that like just did me dirty, and I, I've been good for like five years. I've never been this sick in a long time, but I've yeah. just like been puking and like. You you, you you know you know you qualify for one of them uh, legal marijuana cards. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm I'm like halfway there. I, uh, hey, and then I kind of I kind of stopped because Phil Murphy got in. Hey, Phil like, Murphy. <laughs> you know man. I've been telling people all over the world, like, uh, oh, you know what? If I get pulled over and I'm smoking a blunt or something in the car, I'm just gonna be like, hey, yo, Phil Murphy, nigga, and just drive away. <laughs> yo, he said it's cool. We're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you grew up in New Brunswick, or? Uh, okay, so it's a little complicated. Uh, I grew up in in Queens, in uh, Hollis, New York. So that's your all right. Yeah. That's your accent. Well, you know, you know, another funny thing is, so okay, from Hollis, I moved around. I was like 11, 12 years old. We moved to Hillsborough, New Jersey. Okay, which is you know twenty minutes down Hamilton. Yeah, uh, which becomes Amwell at some point. And uh, you know, after high school, I just immediately was just like, all right, you know, fuck Hillsborough. And I packed up my things and just started, like, bumming around New Brunswick for a long time, going to every single show, yeah. even places where, like, I knew I'd be for the people that lived there, this and that, just because, like, I didn't really have anything else. Yeah. Um, you know, end of high school. We had a, I had a falling out with one of my, like, one of my bandmates, the only other punk kid in town. But, you know, luckily, we're best friends again. You know, we've been living together for, like, three, four years now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it can be awkward going to a house if you know someone there doesn't like you, too. Yeah, but exactly. It's, it's, I mean. It's good on you to just go to the show and just fucking get involved. Yeah, so. well, you know, the thing is, like, you know, the thing about New Brunswick is, you know, we don't have, like, the same level of, like, warehouse spaces or weirdo bars that you do in, you know, marquee no, cities like Philly or New York. It's houses. Yeah. The houses. And, like, you get in order to have one of these houses going because we're in New Jersey, the state with the highest property tax and this and that. You got to have, like, ten fucking people living with you. Yeah. So, like, you know, if one person has a problem with me, all of their housemates could, like, force me to go to their house. And I ain't got nothing to, I got yeah. no say, you know? That's not on you, yeah. 
Right on. So what, when do you, when, how old were you when you grew up in Hillsborough? Because I know right. some people from over there. So yeah, I was like uh, 11 or 12 when I moved to Hillsborough. And then like... Because uh, there was like some hardcore, like the breakout. Or yeah, the breakout. <laughs> Whatchamacallit. I, I was playing shows like with, with Marlo, with Gabe Diaz oh, and yeah. shit. And like we would play shows and these kids from Hillsborough would roll called the Black yeah. Hoods. And oh, it was like, it was like a mosh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> like I suburban boy suburban boy mosh crew, dude. I get yeah. nostalgic about that shit, man. Yeah, you know. Like, okay, so like back then, that's around the same time when I started going to shows. A little bit, like a tiny, tiny like pinch before my time. Yeah. But yeah, you had all these like weirdo suburban uh, gangsters or whatever. And like I hated it so much when I was a kid. But now I have a lot of nostalgia for that scene of like dudes or whatever because like Nobody has any clue where any of those people are. Like, what the <laughs> fuck happened to all of that? Where yeah. are these black hoods kids now? Why can't they come to my shows? Someone you know? on a someone on an earlier podcast was like, "Yeah, every like post hardcore, like metalcore, hardcore guy from like the early two thousands like works at an auto repair shop now." <laughs> or like, oh, yeah. well, that's, no. that's not bad money. I, I might have to yeah, take some like Lincoln fucking, Tech uh, course or something. It's a working man, working man's gig or woman, oh, yeah. whatever. Oh yeah. So all right, so you move from Hillsboro, you get involved in the New Brunswick scene. Yeah, and like I started coming out the shows in Hill in uh, sorry in New Brunswick since I was like fourteen years old. Actually, the guy I was talking about earlier, who like I had a little bit of a falling out with in high school, this is my best friend Chris. He and I started coming out to New Brunswick together. His uh, sister, when we were in middle school, was dating a guy who sang in a hardcore band that would play around here. And like I remember, we were I was in eighth grade, and uh, I see I'm going to the pisser, and I see him with his backpack. He's about to leave. I'm like, hey, where are you going, Chris? And he's like. Oh, I'm going to see uh, Modern Life is War's last show in New Jersey. Yes. And I was like, I'm just staring at him. And all I just say is like, fuck. Like, you know, yeah, I, yeah. You know my parents aren't going to let me go to a show on a weeknight. I'm 12 years old, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But when he got siblings, though, you know, uh, the game's different. Yeah, totally. But yeah, we started going to shows together when we were 14. And uh, yeah, very soon I got involved in the scene. You know, we were always like playing together in our little band from high school and like, just trying to sound like all the bands like we grew up on and thought were cool. Like his hero's gone. Like you know, nineties like crust stuff and like more melodic like Swedish inspired stuff as well. Cool. Um, is that is this Disobey or that's later? That on? was Disobey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So he was our my buddy Chris was our original singer, and uh, uh, we played for like a couple more years without him. But like we really got nailed like the whole like crust sound. Yeah. It was kind of funny because like. He's the guy that got us all into like all those bands, like, like crust street punk oi shit, or or more less just crust. like on the street punk oi side, more like on the like it's like uh, more like I guess metal side of things. Okay, you know? even though I, I I hate I hate heavy metal, you know I hate I don't like telling people that I've ever listened to any of that stuff now because <laughs> I'm so over it. It's, I you know like I said I've been coming out since I was like 14 years old and just like I'm not that much older. I'm like about to be 24 now and it's just like. I've been through all the phases, you know. Sure, and sure. I can't take anything heavy anymore. Maybe in five years I'll be doing heavy stuff yeah, again. Yeah, eventually you, you grow to like yeah. like appreciate everything a little bit. Like yeah, that is. Yeah. yeah, and you know New Brunswick. Even though like a lot of people are like, oh, uh, you're a huge spokesperson for it or whatever. You know, I've had some other love affairs. You know, I spent a lot of time in Brooklyn. Sometimes I lived in Philly for a year. Yeah, but I'm back here. Yeah, you know? they they've all got a lot of cool things going on. Like Philly's got a lot going on that I think is really neat. Brooklyn's cool if you can find the spots too. I think I, I guess that's everywhere. But in, in New Brunswick, it's like a, a ten block radius of houses, yeah. you know. Yeah, and that's the the fucking that's the coolest thing about it is because it's like most of the kids who go to shows. I wouldn't say most of them. Maybe like sixty percent of kids who go to shows 
they do live within that 10 block radius and it's just like you'll get uh, if it's on a Saturday or Friday night sometimes you get like 120 kids packed into a basement and they all just like walk there and so they're getting trashed and like Doing the craziest dance moves. Yeah, it's fun, man. They know all the words for all the bands, you know. It's it's, sick. it's fun how close together everything is, and you could still, like, go to shows for, like, three years and not know about a house. Like, Absolutely. Someone didn't know about your place recently. I'm like, dude, really? Like, he's, like, yeah. running, like, cool punk hardcore yeah. shows that yeah. in, like, the area. And it was just, like, someone in, like, a different scene. Like, you just, yeah. it doesn't, like, cross over, really. Yeah, you know, actually, like, uh, there's a couple houses that I know about. I'm not going to name them like that. I mean, my we'll, we'll talk. Like, we'll talk after. Yeah. <laughs> But what's your McCall? There's one that I went to on New Year's, and I'm not even gonna say all the debauchery me and my housemates got into there on New Year's Eve. But it was pretty. We kind of fucked it up, and we were like pretty wasted. But I was like, "What house is this?" And then someone told me like, "Well, oh, that's a house that like does shows. Like kids who go to your shows no. live at that house." I was like, oh shit! Uh, the man. fuck did we do? Who did who gave me liquor? I told you I don't do that shit. Did anymore. you re- did you reach out to anyone, or just you kind of hoping it's just all under the bridge? Maybe they won't. If, they listen to, if you guys listen to this, you know which house this is, and you want us to like help paint over some shit, and you need some more things. Dude, we gotta stick together, the basement community. No, totally. I feel really bad about it. But I've, I've seen you out though, and you can, you can have fun, and get a little rowdy. Yeah, you know, I was with I was with a group of like twelve people that night. Okay, and like yeah, they're handing liquor to me. I had Cuban cigars. Uh, we were wilding out and uh, you know balling out and ushering in the new year. Yeah, yeah, the right way. It, 2017, it man. Happens, that was yeah. a real doozy for everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's no, but sure. if you guys are hearing this right now, yeah, I'll help you paint over anything, buy you some more blue drink, whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah, man, sometimes you gotta have fun, you know, but you gotta respect that space, too. Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. The older I get, the more of a fucking parent I turn into. I'm well, like, listen, I, I wouldn't have done it if... Okay, it was New Year's Eve, right? And I put on a live video for the Ramones. Okay. And so Ramones playing in London. I think it's 76 into 77. Put New it Year's on your Eve. phone or like on, on the... there They have like a TV setup thing going on. Oh, okay. And they were watching the fucking like CNN feed ah, for like the, the ball. Yeah, and... I, don't care. I don't care. Yeah, you... dude. Like we've lived in the New York metropolitan area for how long? Like you can just drive if you really want to see the ball. What, what does Ryan Seacrest have to say on New Year's that we have to hear? Exactly. Right here? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that guy's like, you know, fucking, uh, you know, thanking his lucky stars. He's like, all right, I got time and a half for fucking New Year's yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Botox motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. So I put on this uh, Ramones live video on their big ass projection setup. Dude, no, no. What happened was I synced it up perfectly. Okay. So it would be like there's a part in the video where like they bring out the pinhead and they're playing uh, pinhead, the song, and there's a sign that says Gabba Gabba Hey, but then on the back when it turns 12, during that song it says Happy New Year, there's a bunch of confetti uh, and balloons and stuff, Yeah. and I synced it up perfectly so that at 12 o'clock midnight you'd, he- you'd see the pinhead and Joey Ramone saying Happy New Year to you, this and that. Some fucking bro dude with a blazer and like this and that on comes in and like, hey bro, you like punk? Ever hear of the band Turnstile? Turns off the Ramones. Puts on fucking Turnstile. I I was like, I'm done with this. What did he try to one up you at Turnstile? In, in 2018? Yeah, yeah dude. I mean, yeah. Uh, Chances are everyone's heard of Turnstile at this point. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, yeah, they're cool. It's fine. But you know, you're trying to do your thing. Hey, the, hey they might be cool, all right? But the Ramones, that's a timeless. Classic, classic, classic punk right there. Yeah, it's New Year's, you know. You gotta, you gotta listen to. You gotta see the Ramones live in London on New Year's. Yeah, I'm sure it's all good. I'm sure you know. You can make amends. We got, we got a formal apology. On hey, the college kids. Yeah, I got, a, I got a formal apology to give you if you'll reach out to me after hearing this. Yeah, but hopefully you don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. 
it, it's um you know every, different houses got different crowds like you're doing yeah. shows yeah yeah eastern See, block right yeah, can we plug thing. it can we plug the say the house name on here yeah sure why not okay um yeah. at this point everyone knows how to keep a house show under wraps enough online i think you know you 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 know you'd be surprised Dude, are people still sharing the addresses publicly there's this i just saw on facebook the other day there's some house i'm not gonna mention it in town some like i don't know who what bands are out of there or whatever but they have a fucking facebook page for their house yeah. and like that's hey okay if those kids are listening to this that's not okay you better delete that page right now you're jeopardizing the whole fucking scene when you do stupid shit like that well yeah because there's that sting last year where three sh- houses got shut down in like a weekend uh-huh, or something uh-huh, and that's uh-huh. fucking sucked that like was a big hit i feel like. yeah actually one of my buddy's houses or actually no two two different houses who are friends of mine they actually lived on the same block their landlords just told them what was up like yo the city told us what you're doing here yeah and, like cops find out and off. contact the landlord directly yeah. and they're like if they do anymore you're getting fined see like yeah that's like the the worst part about it is uh, you know People who have been around forever and have been doing this, if we went to court over it, we might even be able to beat the ticket. But they didn't even do that. They pulled the whole snitching on your mommy thing and told their landlords directly. Yeah. The landlords don't got to play by the rules like the cops do. Yeah. Know? Yeah, for sure. And that's the great, the biggest way to get a landlord to shut it down and say, yeah, we're going to fine you a lot of money. You know, it's a fire hazard, all that shit. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. You know, all this stuff is... It's not specifically illegal, but a lot of it, you know, a lot of things that we have to do in order to have this scene going on, we have to, you know, bend the rules a little bit. Well, because they immediately yeah. associated with, they just picture like underage drinking and like everyone's mm-hmm. like doing Molly or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like they want to assume the worst. Hey, listen, that's, that's the thing about our shows at E Block is all the younger kids are like straight edge. We don't really fuck s- with underage drinking like that. Yeah. And like. You don't get that at, like, all these, like, college kid houses. Like, you know, you had that Brunza-Palooza or whatever, Brunzaroo last <laughs> yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And the kids are, like, charging 50 bucks. There was pre-sale like, online, right? Dude, that's, that's, oh, my God. Yeah, all like, right. So, you know, like, you, you know, like, stupid cop bit I do online where I tell people I'm a cop? Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. dumb as shit. But, like, I went to the show. I have, like, a cop uniform. I went to the show dressed as a cop. And I was like, I need to speak to who's in charge. I'm shutting it down. <laughs> Then I walked downstairs and I immediately felt like a fucking asshole because I was like, all right, all these kids are like six to seven years younger than me. They're just trying to have fun. Like, yeah, yeah. they might be a little naive and they definitely jeopardize the whole scene. But like, who the fuck am I to be like scene plea? Like, who am I to be like, oh, I, you know. Uh, no, 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 no excuses for jeopardizing this scene. You do whatever you want to do in your basement. That's fine. Just you don't got to, one. If you're doing it for the fame and the glory of the money or whatever, you're going to be putting us all to risk. And two, that's not what it's for. That's not why it's worked for so long. Yeah. You know what it felt like? It felt like some shit that a kid did and they're going to put on their resume when they go to be an intern at like some company. Like, ooh, I organized Brunza Palooza. It was a three-day festival. We did, and here's the website. Like, it felt yeah. like kind of yeah. too cheesy. Yeah, dude. For I, this city. Like, I don't know. I feel like they had some like website template that they took from some college class they took. <laughs> and then just like, oh, yeah, let's make a music festival website. And yeah. they actually booked it. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had the fucking thing, like, uh, was there's some, like, sketchy, problematic shit they did with their bathrooms or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently they had, like, some sign. Uh, I don't know what it was exactly, but they had, like, unnecessarily gendered bathrooms in their house. Uh, that's weird. Yeah, it's not, you don't... To go not, out of your way to do it. Yeah, like, that's strange. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just, like, it was right at the time when that whole gendered bathroom bill thing, the debate was, like, raging on or oh, whatever. Oh, so do you think it was, like, in response, though? I don't know it if bad it was timing? in response, but it was definitely, like, a little tone deaf. Yeah. Given, like, the timing, you know? Sure. 
Just like, I don't know. You know, a lot, there's a lot of rumors about me, and there's a lot of people who have a lot of awful things to say about me, but most of those people, I'm pretty ideologically uh, aligned with them. I consider you progressive. For, just oh, from what yeah. I see you posting a lot in the conversations. Well, yeah, I'm a, I mean, I consider myself like a non-denominational radical leftist, right? Okay. So, like, I have a lot of, like, progressive ideals and this and that, and a lot of people want to say that I don't or whatever. But at the same time, there's people who are, you know, interacting with us and, like, doing a similar thing to us who are actually doing fucked up things. Sure. And I'm not necessarily saying, like, the bathroom thing or, like, charging 50 bucks for your show and pre-selling this and that. Alone, none of those things are necessarily fucked up. That's just, like, basic normie shit. That's just, like, you don't yeah, get it. But, but you're not, you know, like, still hurting anyone. All of it together, and I think if, you know, the police did get involved and, like, see where we were at because of all this stuff, I think, you know, that together is a lot more problematic than, like, I don't know, anything that people are saying about me and my friends. And what, what What's the issue people have? Ah, uh, you know. If you don't want to get into, it, we don't have to. I'll, 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 uh, I'll summarize a little bit for you. Okay. You know, I when I moved down to Philly, uh, I was kind of like pressured into moving down there, uh, uh, and like you know, kind of like basically, I had this ex girlfriend who was like, "If you don't come down to Philly to see me every week from New Brunswick, like this and that," and so like I would be spending too much time there, and like I would be ignoring my family and this and that. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to move to Philly. I moved to Philly, and then, like, it didn't work out. Very soon after I moved there, it didn't, you know, it ended up not working out. Sure. And then, uh, much call it. Uh, you know, you know, I was still cool with her. Um, we were still t- talking and this and that. And then my pops dies. So you go back to, like, talking on the phone every day, this and that, even though at the time she and I were both seeing other people. And, um, uh, you know, my therapist is like, yo, you got to, like, what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah. So I tell her, hey, you know, like, I don't think you should come to shows in my house, my house in Philly. And she's like, okay, yeah, I understand this and that. Okay. Uh, and I was like, if you really need to be at something, you know, give me an email. You know, I'll, I'll make myself scarce or whatever. I just got to live here. You know, I'm not trying to be some kind of fucking cool guy or whatever. But, uh, yeah, you know, that was fine. Uh, and then she shows up to a show like a month later without hitting me up. And I'm like, hey. You gotta leave, and then her boyfriend starts coming in. You know, this is the first. This is the first relationship this guy's ever been in. Right? Uh, well, that all right. So I can already. He's gonna overreact, and it and to just yeah. to before you even say it, it's hard. Breakups fucking suck. Yeah. Like, yeah. It becomes very hard, and seeing someone can fuck like if you and how yeah. many months after the breakup was this? Where she comes to the house? It's like two, three months after the breakup. Okay, yeah. yeah. I I'm if I break up with someone, I'm fucked up for like half a year. I can't even. I'm like, fucked up for like yeah. You I'm know, pretty much until like I'm ready to go out with the next one. It's hard. It's gonna be fucked. It's hard. Up, yeah, everyone everyone acts different. And yes, you want to be the biggest person you can always, but it's hard. Listen, all I'm saying is I give you an avenue to reach out to me and to say this and that. Sure. And you don't take it. You show up with That's your boyfriend. That's not on me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, her boyfriend show. You know, you know, he like jumps in front of me while I'm talking to this person that I've known for like almost a decade now, and like whom I grew up with, and this and that, and we, you know, you know, we both ended up in Philly, but like. You don't know this person the way I know this person, and you don't know me the person the way that person knows me. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with you, but like this guy with his macho insecurity is like, oh, bro, if you got something to say to my girl, blah blah mm. blah. I'm like, dude, I'm not fucking talking to you. You know, I mean, I'm talking to somebody I grew up with. Yeah. But like, you know, and then you know, then like that dude's friends got involved, and you know, me, you know, you said you know me, you seen us out, we like to have fun, and uh, 
yeah, I might have said that I'm going to uh, respond accordingly to whatever these guys were saying to me. Okay. So now it's this whole big, you know, New Brunswick versus, like, parts of the Philly scene thing, and oh, it's ridiculous. Okay. And then, you know, I got another buddy, similar story. He had this breakup with this girl, and, like, he cut off ties with her, and she wasn't about it. So, like, a couple of years later, he just starts hearing all this stuff on the internet. Oh, apparently I'm an abuser now, like this and that. The thing is, like, me and all my friends were people who understand that stuff or people who read about that stuff. We would know about that sort of thing, and I'm not trying to discredit any victim's experience and sure. say you didn't go through whatever you went through. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I've experienced and stopped a lot of stuff. If, that, you, if you know the person, you know. yeah. And, and looking back, if someone, and like we were saying, breakups fucking suck. Like, yeah. you can be fucked up from a breakup and then yeah. look back and be like, I was manipulated because, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a, a, a period at the end of a relationship where you don't know what's the right thing to say. And Absolutely. Yeah. Someone could feel like they're being fucking lied Dude. to because like your feelings change. Yeah. Especially when you're in your early 20s and it's already been established that there's a lot of lying in that relationship. Yeah. Or but did, did she say like she he physically assaulted her? No, she never said that. She, so she never lied about anything that happened, but. She omitted a lot of details, and she made the bigger things out of some things. Like, for instance, my ex-girlfriend made a post about me after this is like this girl, this girl from the show. Yeah, yeah. Who who I asked to leave my house, whose boyfriend wasn't happy about it, this and that. Mm -hmm. She made a post about me, and she starts saying people telling people like, "Oh, yeah, he used the N word in our relationship." Okay, and I'm like. Like, I think know, you said it at the beginning of this podcast, yeah, right? I'm from Queens. Like, You're pretty open about saying This is the way it. that we speak. You know, It's a regional thing, and I understand that, that. You know, Here's another thing, okay? I dated another person in Philly after her, and this is a white person, and she would tell me, hey, you shouldn't say that. And I'm like, you know, all due respect, I don't think it's a place for white people to police the language of brown people anymore. Sure. You yeah. know, it's not... I don't think that's Th- kosher. That's a, and th- this is the thing that goes yeah. from circle to circle of friends, because I'm sure you have friends that are cool with it. And yeah. I'm sure. See, the thing uh, is, that's the difference between my hanging out in Philly and hang, my hanging out in New Brunswick is, ethnically, New Jersey in general is one of the most ethnically diverse places there is. Totally. So even in a marquee city like Philadelphia, you don't have as much ethnic diversity, especially in like the cool guy punk scene yeah. that you do here in New Brunswick. Well, because the rest of Pennsylvania is waspy white people too. Exactly, and most of the kids who are in the Philly punk scene are like waspy white kids. That's where they came from. Yeah, exactly. Then they just got a septum piercing or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, no shame or whatever. Like, uh, Yeah, no shade to septum piercings. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, I think those are cool. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, you know, you're going to live where you're going to live or whatever. Yeah. But don't judge other people. Sure. Because, like, yeah, over here, I say that word a lot in New Brunswick. And, like, I'm mostly hanging out with either brown or black people. Like, there's only, there's only two white kids who live in my house out of, like, seven people okay. so like you know it's just like it's a different understanding yeah. it's a person to person thing you know yeah and then here's the thing anyone who's heard about anything about me who's spoken to me uh, I don't know maybe you your listeners might have noticed I'm a somewhat articulate guy I'm able to like clarify any murkiness or whatever any question about any of the details and people are fine with me yeah but when people see stuff on the internet this and that, they run, they go crazy. Well, with when it. something when something's in print, you're automatically yeah. gonna just take it at face value and just assume that. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. But like you know, and and saying saying that word like, it, it's one thing for if you were with someone and they're like, dude, that kind of makes me feel weird. Then you you have the option to be like, 
fuck you, I'm going to still say it. Or if it's someone that you, you know, you respect how they feel, you can be like, all right, I'll try to chill with that when you're around, you know, for someone Absolutely. to, for someone to police you to be like, you shouldn't say that. Here's why. And especially when it comes from a white person, when it's like, oh. yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. That person would be like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of anti-blackness in the South Asian community, you know, you, you know, I might know that you're an ally, but most people might not be able to tell. I'm like, I'm wearing fucking baggy jeans and a fitted. No one's going to think that I'm some kind of fucking, like, you know, one of these alt-rights or whatever. And yeah, I've marched yeah. against those people, and I've gotten into scuffles with them, and, like, you know, whatever. I do a lot more for this stuff than some stupid-ass white person on Twitter. All that right? wants to yeah, yell yeah. at you. Yeah, and it's not, a, it's not a matter of, like, being cool or being, like, up-to-date with And you're not even values. trying to say that you earned a right to say it. It's just, no. it's the way you grew up. Yeah, this is... A reality of the regional dialect of sure. the New York, New Jersey area. Yeah. And if you got a problem with it, you know, I'll introduce you to some of my friends. Like, we'll see who speaks ignorantly then, eh? Yeah, it, it's just different. Now, come, if it came out of a white person's mouth, who I can see it rubbing people a lot worse. Excuse me. Yeah, actually, the other night, I said it in front of this white kid, excuse me. And I saw, like, at first he got, like, you know, visually uncomfortable. So I tried to lay off of it. Then later on that night, the same kid uses that word, nigga. I'm like, oh, whoa, hey, yo, white boy. Yeah. What are you doing? You can't use that word. Sure. He's like, oh, oh I'm so sorry. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, oh, you didn't, didn't realize, kid. You thought you I thought did. I was like some kind of some kind of goon or something. Nah, not he me. He wanted to be cool. He wanted to do the cool handshakes and, and yeah. say the cool words. Yeah, no, he's a good it's kid. Funny. Kevin, yeah, yeah. if you're listening, you're a good kid, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's and it's the thing. It's person to person. You know, I feel like yeah. white people generally have a less chance to say. And, like, why do you want to say it? Like, yeah. I, a kid that works, this girl, I'm a job. She's, like, a manager somewhere. And this girl was saying it, this white girl was saying it, uh -oh. and and visibly making people uncomfortable and cringing. No bueno. Yeah, and employees called her out and shit, and she was like, ah, so what? This is where I grew up. And it's like, yeah. all right, you grew up in North Jersey. Like, I get you settled around your friends, but it's person yeah. to person, especially a professional workplace, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't roll into your job. Yeah, I, I don't think I know anyone who's even uh, any person of color says that word at work, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe in the back room or something. Time and place. Yeah, I think it was like a kid. I, it was probably like a 20 or 21-year-old, which is like, <sighs> still can be a kid if you live at home and don't grow up fast sure. enough. Sure, But yeah, as soon as corporate found out that she got fired right <laughs> away, you know? Hey, it sucks to be slow. you, kid. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Learn your fucking lesson, you yeah. know? Yeah, it's it's a touchy subject. But um, So what, what ethnicity are you? So I am Bengali and Tibetan. Um, no shit. Uh, yeah, my father's side, uh, we're Bengali from originally uh, East Bengal, now known as Bangladesh. Uh, they settled in Calcutta in the Indian state of West Bengal. Yeah. And uh, my mother's family is from uh, Lhasa in Tibet, and they were refugees in the 1959 uprising against China. My, uh, my grandmother, pregnant with my uh, late elder aunt, and, uh, uh, you know, she and my grandfather, they rode, uh, like, she was riding on a mule, and he was walking alongside her, and they had all these Tibetans, Dalai Lama included, in the same group, uh, you know, emigrating from Tibet to India. Because, you know, in the 70s and stuff, and, you know, prior to that, after the uprising in 59. Who were they being, like, persecuted by? The Chinese, yeah. Okay. Yeah, India realized that if they didn't, there were all these, like, little independent kingdoms in the Himalayas, right? Sure. So if they didn't you know, absorb them and give them statehood or whatever, they'd be getting the same treatment that Tibet did. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they, like, 
they settled in a state in India called Sikkim in the Himalayas. Um, and, the, you know, there's a lot of Tibetans and a lot of Nepalis there. Um, and my mom went to dental school in Calcutta, which is where she met my dad. Yeah. And then they just moved to Queens eventually? That's actually it's a very romantic and long story. So okay. what happened was my dad was friends with my mom's uh, cousin. Uh, and they, you know, one of my, her cousin's name was, uh, name, name, nicknames was, uh, uh, Chengiz Khan, because okay. like in Calcutta, you know, every everyone like looks like me without the slanty eyes, right? <laughs> so like you don't you don't see guys like that who are huge and eating a lot and fighting a lot like that. So you know, it is an apt nickname. And you know, my dad just being involved in you know, Calcutta is like the heart of like Indian counterculture. Okay. So like my dad just being involved in street life in the seventies, eighties, and nineties in Calcutta. You know, he 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 like. But they had a lot of girls. My mom was from a village in the mountains. She never dated anybody before she made it, met, met my dad. And um, what happened was he moved to America to actually New Brunswick. This, the, the apartment complex right to the right over there, my parents used to live there in 91, 92. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And like in those days, that was a really fancy spot. Sure. Now, not so much. But, you know, uh, what should we call it? Their dream car when they first came to America was... Uh, Pontiac uh, Grand Am or some shit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, my dad moved out here, and he realized that the only girl that he still wrote letters to was my mother. So he asked her to marry him, and then she, she came over. She told she was she was in Calcutta with her friend, another friend from Sikkim in the mountains, and she told her friend like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to Italy for a dental conference," and you know they're at the airport gates, and my mom keeps walking towards you know the American Airlines gate or whatever, and her friend's like, "No, Italy's this way," and she's like, "Hey, I'm uh." I'm uh, going to uh, America to marry Gogo. That's my dad's nickname. Yeah, yeah. And they got married and this and that. And um, that's uh, really sweet. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's a nice story. What should we call it? Uh, yeah, uh, they eloped. And so your dad was like a rough and tough, like ish street guy, kind of. Less rough and tough, more of like a Casanova type, you know. Okay. More. He could fight, and he had he has told me had told me fight stories from his youth. But, like, he was more into, like, just experiencing it all. And, like, him being, like, in his mid-20s, moving to New Brunswick and then eventually New York. Uh, and just, like, seeing the old New York before Giuliani and shit. Sure. Like, that different, shit's wild. Different place. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with Giuliani, when Giuliani was still there, compared to now, New York is completely, like, it's completely different you yeah know? yeah what call? like city's changing fast it's, it's gonna keep it's gonna always change you, you know, know i was in the old neighborhood not too long ago actually it was right after my father passed away about a year and a half ago and i was there with yet another person that i was dating i'm actually still in love with this person a little bit so hey yeah uh, if you were with me when my father died and we went to queens and you're listening to this you know you should give me a call sometime i still like <laughs> you a lot but uh uh what was it it changed i'm guessing Queens, Queen. I know a lot of people moving to Queens. Dude, I, I swear, I went to college at Hofstra for a semester, and then I dropped out, and then fucking, uh, uh, I like I had been to the old neighborhood for the first time in years. That was like 2012, and like compared that even then to like last year, I was like, yo, this place looks like a third world country like four years ago. Like now, it's like uh, they got like installation artwork, kind of getting gentrified on the side, this and that. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know areas are getting gentrified when like the benches don't look like a regular park bench that a bum could sleep on, but it's like some stupid installation shit that's made specifically so that no one can lie down on it. This and that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, what is it? The girl I was with at the time, she called it something like it was like cruel design or something like that. There's like a word for it. I didn't know they made benches a certain way so you can't sleep on it, but I could see it. Yeah, yeah, they'll have like the little like arm divider in things in the middle, like to make it look nicer. But yeah, yeah and then sleep. like there'll be like little like little spiky ridges on this side or something like that. Yeah, when when raising the rent drives out the people who built or live in that community, that's when I think gentrification's fucked up. You know? Oh yeah. Well, if it brings art and culture, like bringing in new people, I think that's fine. But it's on the landlords yeah. whenever they decide to, you know, push up prices because they realize they can make, flip yeah. it and make money. You know, that's that's when I think it's really fucked up. Yeah, but you know, you know, like okay, so when you talk about gentrification with someone from New York, you know, it's all like scowls and like anger and this and that. Sure, because it's because the area changes. You know, yeah, people want it to stay the same forever. But when you talk about gentrification with someone from Philly. It's a completely different story because Philly has always been a real rough and tumble working class town. And yeah. the natives, they want it to get better, you know? Yeah. The only people talking about gentrification like that are the ones who are responsible for it in Philly. Like, literally everyone who says anything negative about gentrification who's from Philly, they're like, yeah, gentrification sucks. But the only people who are, like, really talking about it are the people who are, like, going there, buying up all these, like, modern monstrosities. Like, I don't know. I call them shit boxes. You'll see on a block where you have all these houses built like a century and a half ago, and all of a sudden on the corner, you'll see a big construction site, and a couple months later, it's just like as if there was a concrete mold for a building, and they just like made it like that. Yeah. There's like no facade, no brickwork, nothing. You know, there's no love being put into the architecture for these places, and it's just like people, I don't know, people are going there by by the, by, by the millions, I don't know, that, that, definitely not, that, that's not possible, but like... There's another punk house in town. Friends of mine, actually, I used to live with one of them. Um, they're just giving up on New Brunswick and moving to Philly. Like a lot of right people are moving there. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I'll always love New Brunswick, but it, it's just a college town, so it will flip quickly. Yeah, I, and Rutgers. I think the rent is going up in a lot of. But we were talking about before we yeah. did the podcast, you know. Yeah, well, I can feel like trying to move out of New Brunswick if you're like thirty or something like that. And I'm like, getting there. Well, yeah, you know, what you call you got bigger prospects elsewhere, that's whatever. But if you're my age, don't move to Philly to work in a coffee shop. You can work in a coffee shop in New Brunswick and do cooler shit. Don't start a fucking warehouse space in like some ethnic neighborhood or whatever. I've seen that shit. I've seen that shit. And a it's, warehouse space? It's whack. Yeah, I used to live in a warehouse space in Philly. It was pretty cool. Definitely, it, you know, I wasn't really in a residential neighborhood at all. So, like, uh, you know, it wasn't set up too bad or nothing. But, like, same deal here when you're prominent and you're doing shows or whatever. Everyone's going to have a fucking problem with it, right? And so, like, apparently people said that they were uncomfortable because of me there. And I was like, all right, well, fuck you guys. I'm out of here. Dude, I'm sorry. Champ is eating something. I got to pause it for a second. Oh, okay. Shit. Sorry. I thought he was choking on a cork or something. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's not. Yeah, no, he's safe. So you're talking about New Brunswick and... Oh, yeah. Well, I was talking a little bit about my experience in Philly and how I left there because people were saying this and that about me. And then all, I, all from that scuffle, though? All from that. But then, like, I was like, this, this is ridiculous and I'm not having this conversation with these people. And I'm, I've already revealed many details about, like, the death of my father and my personal relationships like that I don't I feel comfortable with. And you guys are, like, prying it out of me. I find out, like, two months after I leave, like, one of the guys who's making life a living hell for us over there, like... This guy would get all Sherlock Holmes over, like, a missing hash brown or some shit. He ended up being this real shit bag and, like, 
lying to women about wearing a rubber when they were like doing it and yeah. this and that and like apparently he did this to a bunch of different women. Yeah. And this is the guy who was acting like Mr. Mediator. It's like, oh yeah, people are saying this and that about you. Yeah. And then I heard people talking about our spot at a show over there. Like, oh yeah, you ever hear about this spot? Blah blah blah. And they're like, oh yeah, I've heard some fucked up things about it. I'm like, oh brother, here we go. Yeah. And then I hear like, yeah, I hear they unfairly kicked out a lot of people of color over there, and like this and that. I was like, oh shit, these kids are smarter than I give them credit for. Yeah. But like that's like that's the difference between gentrification in Philly and gentrification in New York. You can do cool things, but it's a lot of people who say they stand for certain things who don't exactly. Who are in charge of that thing over there? It's like definitely like a cool kids club. It's definitely like you got to know this person and that person. Philly might be a big city, but there's a small town mentality there. Yeah. And the people from there want to see it grow and they want to see it become like a marquee thing like New York or whatever. But yeah, what you call New York is like nobody really gives a fuck about you. Yeah, no, because there's, there's, there's too many people. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to really yeah. build anything. And if you got problems with somebody in New York, big fucking whoop, you just never have to interact with that person <laughs> yeah. again. You know what I mean? Yeah, just don't go out of your way to see them and you probably won't see them. Exactly, right? exactly. And like... Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of different, like, groups of people doing a lot of cool, cool things in New York still, even still. And, like, you do lose spots every now and then, but a new one will spring back up, you know, that you could, like, uh, replace it with. So you've gotten into, like, more oi and, like, skinhead culture in the past couple of years, right? Yeah, past couple of years. It's a recent development, but it's also a little bit of a throwback. Sure. To you know and when I like you realize like the shit that you've liked all along kind of ties into that. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, when I was fourteen, you know, I you know every Friday, me and my friends would walk back home from school, and we would shave our heads together, lift weights, and listen to the Chromax. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was I was really into the skinhead shit when I was a youngster. You yeah. know, I remember the first time I heard Cox Sparrow Sparrow's. Uh, uh, I got your number, and I was like, "This is one of the catchiest songs I've ever written." Yeah, but like, yeah, I got really, really into the crush shit, the heavy shit for years, which they're just now discovering in Philly. Oddly enough, yeah, um, yeah, it's that was hip back then, you know. It's over now, <laughs> but uh, what's your McCoy? Yeah, I just uh, I was like, I'm so sick and tired of listening to heavy stuff. Like, I just you know threw out my tuners and stuff because I'm like, I can tune by ear to E standard, and that's all you need. Yeah, yeah. And I threw out all my, like, well, I didn't throw them out. They all got lost or stolen or whatever. All my dirt boxes and stuff like that. And I was like, I want to start a new band, clean guitar tone only, mids at 10. And we're going to have just verse, hooks, maybe a solo every now and then. No, none of that, like, heavy stuff. No breakdowns. No, like, different panic chords, this and that. None of that stuff. I don't even really yell when we play. A little more of the roots. Yeah, it's different. You're mm -hmm. not screaming. Really. Yeah. Yeah, back then I tried to sound like I was like 300 pounds. Now I just... The metal voice. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm just trying to sound like a youngster yelling about my problems. You yeah, know? yeah, a little different. Yeah, and also when we started the band Dusters, one, it was a different lineup, completely different lineup. And two, uh, I had just gotten into like soccer hooligan culture. Okay. So me and our bassist Mario and a lot of our friends, you know, our greater extended circle probably at this point, we're involved in this thing. It's called the Garden State Ultras, and it's. Dude, this, I don't know if it's you that posted. I saw some shit recently where it was like it had it had to been you. But yeah. go on, go on. Sorry. I don't know. What'd you see? What'd you see? It was like you're not welcome at like Red Bull yeah. games. So this past season, we got a little buck. Uh, some of the incidents include after getting having a banner stolen from us in the Bronx at NYCFC at Yankee Stadium, we kind of ganged up on this kid and like beat his ass in the subway. 
And like their yeah. families watching, and like we're like running up the stairs, and we beat this kid up, and they just stopped dead in their tracks. Like, oh my god, what is this? Because they don't even know what New York Red Bulls or NYCFC are. You know, most yeah. people don't. And seeing that in 2018 is yeah. a lot different than seeing it like in, in old school New yeah, York. You know, yeah. in the 70s and 80s when they were doing that shit in the UK. Everybody was getting into fights every week, even over here. People don't fight like that anymore. No, it's it's very different. My dad yeah. grew up in Brooklyn and, like, mm-hmm. you know, worked the street corner doing jobs, whatever the fuck. And, like, he would just tell me, like, every night it was another fight. Everyone was taking, like, quaaludes and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. punch drunk and knocking people out. Like, Well, here's the thing. And I was, like, touching up on this stuff a little bit later because, like, when I was talking about the rumors about me, you know... These days, people can spread rumors about you, and they can hold you accountable on the computer, like, I guess, professionally accountable. Not professionally, but, like, in terms of whatever you're using your social media for. People who see that stuff, you'll be kind of held accountable there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, people can get away with a lot of really shitty things that most people don't do because the assumption is that with social media and all maybe, like, all the CCTV cameras and stuff like that, you know, I might get in trouble or whatever. But there are organized networks full of people who are all consenting members who want to get into fights every week. Sure. Well, yeah, yeah that's part of hooligan culture. Yeah. Like, like, the kids stole your banner as, like, a kind of... As a uh, taunt. And he yeah. knew it was going to come if yeah, we caught yeah. him, and he let us catch him. As, like, so. a crew thing, right? I'm guessing he, yeah. like, was with, with someone else. He, so. Yeah, so we support New York Red Bulls. And, well, that incident, and then another, when we were at our biggest rivals, home turf, D.C. United, uh, their final match at RFK Stadium. Been around since, like, a long time ago. It was the last game there ever. And we snuck all, we all snuck in like smoke bombs and flares in our gooches. We lit them all off at the end of the game, and like one of us threw a flare off our section, and it landed on like some tent below oh, us, shit. which apparently was meant for like little kids. Oh man! But there were no dude. little kids in it at the time, oh, and it bounced no, off. Yeah, so you know, MLS and the Red Bull front office have had it up to here with us, and they're like, "All right, we don't recognize you officially anymore." At least. Oh, so it was officially affiliated with the team. Somewhat like you weren't. They didn't, never gave us any money or anything like that. But say if we said, "Hey, we got fifty guys. I want to go to this game in DC or something." They're like, all right, maybe we could get a bus for you, something like that. Oh wow! Sometimes they'd help us out. Most of the time, any of our interactions with Rebel Front Office are like, "You guys are assholes. We hate you." Sure. This and that. It's the final straw, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking flare but, on the hey, they're, they're happy to use all the footage of the smoke and the flares on television to advertise for it. Yeah, yeah. But when yeah. it comes to like fostering the culture or at least letting us do our thing no no such thing well because soccer isn't even like a mainstream thing but it's like the games are huge i have friends that go to, go yeah, to those games yeah yeah you know? they've definitely gotten a lot bigger especially since the last world cup and it's a disaster that the u.s didn't get into the you know the next world cup because like the sport was definitely they had an upswing and now it's i don't think there's going to be general interest if we're not going to be in the world cup yeah but the reason i brought up the gsu the garden state ultras and this and that is because I just started doing that at the same time I started this band. And actually, when I started this band, I just wanted to sound like uh, that band Fucked Up from Canada. Yeah. Um, just, like, you know, real, like, simple, back-to-basics, hardcore punk, but with, like, really good songwriting, you know, trying to bring it into the 21st century a little bit. But everyone's like, hey, you guys sound like a hardcore punk band. You got hooks, and you're a hooligan, right? So you're an oi band now. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can I fuck with it. Kind of yeah. works, yeah. yeah so, uh, I'd say it works pretty well. Yeah, so now I'm involved in the skinhead culture. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you sing about? Um, you know, like what I mentioned earlier, gentrification. I sing a lot about that. I sing a lot about, you know, our home city, New Brunswick. Hell yeah. You know, Hub city hardcore baby. Hub city hardcore baby. It yeah. lives. Uh, what else do I sing about? 
I get in a lot of trouble for this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. I sing a lot about, I call out racism, and I call out casual racism as well as, like, overt racism. Okay. And G- give me an example of casual racism. Okay, so I have a song called Marginalize Me. And I, just, I listened to that today, actually. Oh, respect. Yeah, yeah and it's... Uh, it's on Bandcamp for $600. Oh, yeah, $666. That's the live version. I don't want people to, like, really buy nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I thought it was funny. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit. Marginalize Me. It's just, like, a song. Like, the hook goes... Uh, uh, marginalize me at work. You know, marginalize me, you jerk. You marginalize me at shows. Yeah, you marginalize me, you know. And I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, you know, you say weird things to me at work, or something like that. Say, uh, this guy, uh, Ron, I used to work with in Philly. He go, he told me a story about Indians once. Sure, he like trying like, to relate to you. Trying like, to relate. To that's me. the thing when trying people are so hard. out of touch that they yeah. like. Like, if I worked with a black guy, and I was like, yeah. hey, did you see the basketball game last night? Like, yeah. just trying too hard. Yeah, you know? shit like that, that's racism. And a lot of, like, white kids, especially white kids who think they're progressive and might have a spiky haircut and, and like, studs on their jacket, they don't like being called out on their racism. They really hate it, and it's really sure. intimidating to them. Because they're trying mm-hmm. too hard and not really just, you got to just see a person and not, yeah. like, oh, I see this kind of person, yeah. so I want to, you know, bring this up. Yeah. yeah, here's the thing is today, because you got the information superhighway or whatever, a lot of people have access to a lot of good literature, and they know a lot about, of, they know a lot of stuff about certain things. Yeah. But, you know, that comes at the cost of real life experience. Sure. And a lot of people are falling out of the proper pecking order and saying like, hey, I just read about this on the computer. This is the way it should be, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I'm your age, and I've been here for 10 years, so shut the fuck up. Yeah, if, if you read too much, then you're, you're only reading, and it's like you're kind of turned into a nerd, and you don't have, like, the real-life interaction yeah. or, like, you know, social yeah. cues of how to act. Yeah, but, uh, the, yeah, there's a difference between a nerd and a cultured in- intellectual, you sure. know? And that's what I strive to be, the, the, the latter. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, you know, it's like it's a lot of nerdery out there these days. Yeah. I mean, because that's how people are trying to make themselves better. Like, I don't think it comes from a bad place, but they're trying—they're trying too hard and not in the right way. I'd say. Yeah, and you know, I'm not he- saying I'm fucking perfect, but I'm definitely—you sure. know—I don't think anyone is, and I think that's part of like just being a person is like kind of growing over time. But you know, it's yeah. it, when it's when someone gets self-righteous or like someone lectures you on not to say the n-word or some shit. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, hey, and, cracker. You know, go back to your fucking cubicle. You know. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah, well, okay. So here's the thing about, I guess, the current state of nerdery everywhere. Yeah. You know, anyone listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. It solves a lot of problems that we used to have, especially within the context of hardcore and the hardcore punk. In the New York, New Jersey area specifically, where people used to literally be killed at shows and people would be swinging around chains, blinding kids at shows, steal. You know, kids had to put fucking put boots, uh, locks on their boots, yeah. so they wouldn't get stolen. Like and L.A. too, man, it was everywhere. Like people yeah. were just fucking wild in like yeah. the seventies and eighties. It's a good thing that people are not dying at punk shows anymore and yeah. hardcore shows. Safety anymore. first, yeah, yeah, totally. But like I said, the proper pecking order is removed, and like that's just a byproduct of being in this safer place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, you know, it's like. Just because it's safer now doesn't mean it's safe. And there's a lot of people, you know, people who might talk the loudest about being feminist or whatever, who don't put their money where their uh, their yeah their money where their mouth is, and who will be the most fucked up people doing that stuff. Yeah. And it's so obvious to me. I don't know. It's just like it's fucked up when some guy who colors his hair and spikes it when he's like 35, but only hangs out with 19 year olds, 
and saying every right thing about feminism. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that shit's gross. And this and that. Like, you're not a feminist, dude. You're just a fucking predator. You're trying to impress. Yeah, girls, like, why yeah. do you dress like that? Don't you have a fucking job? You yeah, know what I mean? You're old as shit. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, I'm a feminist as well, but then they have the audacity to say this and that about me. And it's just like, you know, it, it's fucked up. Yeah. Well, you know, back to, back to things being taken at face value and not really... Not, not understanding someone as a person, but like hearing the way someone talks. Good. Yeah, you know, you know, social media and stuff. I think that people like really start looking at things as like hoarders instead of like people trying to build a community. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, who who I've been trying to do the same thing I'm doing now for a long time, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I just wanted to have as many kids who think that this stuff is important in the same place. Yeah. Totally. You know? Bring people together and have yeah. a good time. Well, and, and if you don't like me, you don't like the things you've heard about me and you've made up your mind about me before you want to have a conversation with me, that's fine. Don't fucking interact with me. I don't need you. Yeah, yeah. It, the thing about social media is how, how polarizing it can be. And I think I've talked about this, but I, I can talk about this forever. It's like yeah. you literally, like, you spend all your time making an argument, and then you spend 20 minutes crafting the perfect response. Like, if this was a mm -hmm. real-life conversation, it wouldn't have went down like that. No, they both would have been agreeing with each other and meeting each other halfway. There would have been a lot more back and forth. The art of conversation is lost on my generation, pal. Sh sure. And, but know? now you go back to your artillery of words and talking mm -hmm. points and articles, and then, like, mm -hmm. people dropping in the comment mm -hmm. section, like, I suggest you read this article before you say anything. It's like, no one wants to fucking do yeah. that. Like, we're trying to have a conversation. At this point, the best you could hope for with any of that stuff is, like, maybe someone seeing this who's coming from the same direction as me will find this useful. But in terms of a communication This podcast tool, can be your vindication. We're going yeah. to make it, make it okay for you, man. Facebook comments and stuff like that, when you're spending all day commenting back and forth with somebody... You're not changing that person's mind. No, it's an argument. That person's not listening to you. You're not listening to them. Yeah. So what the fuck does it matter? And I've been in Facebook situations like that. And I'm like, all right, I could drag this on for two more weeks, or I could just nip it in the bud right here and be like, hey, you know what? You got a point here. But like, I just think that the difference in our perspective is this. Most people respond to that really well. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, you gotta, you know, see someone's point and see it halfway. Because then, like, when yeah. people come drop in with likes and then, like, start tagging more people, it just gets messy. Yeah. It, it becomes, like, a point system that... So, when I was living in Philly, right, I was a longshoreman for a little bit. I was going down to the Union Hall, you know, and I w didn't have guaranteed work because I was what's called uh, a soche. They just identified me by my social security number. Wow. So Wait, what's a longshoreman? Like, finding... I worked on the docks. Okay. I yeah, was, yeah. I was uh, basically, like, uh, we brought in... Uh, Brand new Hyundai's, Kias, and those what are those cars called? The yeah. Genesis, like yeah, the yeah. Mercedes. When they come over Hyundai's. on those fucking... Yeah, on the ships, we would just bring them back into the port and like park them up, park them on the trucks for the Teamsters That's pretty and stuff tight. like that. Yeah, and then sometimes you'd have like commodities, like uh, you'd have like a coil of steel or like cocoa beans or whatever. You just hook it up onto the ship, and if you're on the ground, you just like, as the thing is bringing it in, you just like grab it and like you and a couple other dudes like kind of stabilize it and un unhook it. Real like... You know, monotonous work, but it's uh, it was rewarding to know that I was working towards maybe being a, a fully represented union member and like this and that. And yeah. like, my politics are very left. Like I said, I guess I'm a Marxist or whatever. But the people you're working with at a job like that, not necessarily. Even yeah, even though they're all union members and stuff, you're not gonna if you start saying like. I'm a fucking Marxist. You know, you everyone should get paid this and that. Yeah. 
You know, people are going to look at you like you got five heads. You're not going to have any I friends. But if you go up to anyone and say, no, I'm a fucking Marxist, they're going to look at yeah. you like you have five heads. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You know, a lot of people in their early 20s, they're used to that sort of thing. To most people in the United States, that's a dirty word. Sure. You know, you can't talk about your radical politics that openly. Yeah. So you got to learn. You know, I learned very early on. And even then, uh, you know, before I worked at the at the port, you know, working with hundreds of people, all different from me. I worked in Newark uh, with my mother at a dental clinic. And just even then, you know, in the hood, you meet a lot of people with different refreshing and new perspectives. You know, sometimes they're a little ignorant, but a lot of the time they're progressive in ways that you wouldn't even be able to, like, That's cool. fathom in the suburbs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to take back what I said in those kind of people you work with at your job because I feel like that's a little too hasty. It's a little classist, not going to lie. Yeah, no, yeah. well, the thing is I, got, I very quickly got absorbed into uh, – they they have each little working crew. They call them a gang, right? So sure. I got absorbed into, like, the black gangs. They would take me. I was like, okay, thank you. Because I remember, like, one of the first days I was there, there's this one white kid, another younger kid, very loud and annoying, though, <laughs> who just started saying all this, like, yeah, we're going to bomb North Korea, Trump. Oh, man. Everybody there, because, you know, even though it's they're all working class, they are, like, relatively liberal. Their last, like, political candidate they endorsed was, like, Obama and this and that. Yeah. Uh, everybody schooled them. But there were still a lot of kids like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, the older yeah. heads, like, they're like, we're union workers. We've been doing this for so long. We know what to, what, how to school you on it. I don't have that kind of patience, though, because I'm their age. I shouldn't have to, you know, be the big man in that situation. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a lot of the time you're forced to, and a lot of the time you have to do that if you want to interact with people who are different from you. Yeah, yeah you got to listen and let people get their points out. People just want to say how they feel, too. Yeah, you know? for sure. So... Uh, Getting involved in skinhead culture, did you find, like, I mean, I'd imagine, like, racist skinhead shit is, like, mostly gone. Um, no, well. I've seen some weird shit happen still. You would, you, I've you know, I shit. thought it was mostly gone until Trump became president, and I just, I feel like a lot of those guys felt emboldened by it and, like, came back out of the woodwork, and you had this thing uh, called NYC Oi Fest, and had all these, like, that got canceled, Sus right? Bands. Yeah, yeah, it got canceled, and, like, the venue got shut down permanently and, like, this and that. So, like, it's no joke, and, like, you would think New York is the bastion of liberalism and this and that, but it's a city with 8 million people, probably 9 million by now. Like, you've got a lot of... You've got a broad spectrum of differing opinions. And when those people feel like their voices aren't being heard and they feel disenfranchised, they're going to go twice as fucking hard. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, like, growing up, all the skinheads I grew up around were either black or Puerto Rican. I didn't even know that most of the world associated it with, like, neo-Nazis until I was already shaving my head and wearing Doc Martens and stuff like that. Yeah. And just, like, uh, you know, I, as a prominent member of the scene who's, like, brown and this and that, me and all my other brown skinhead friends, we have, like, this mutual respect and understanding, like, hey, we're here, you know? But I don't, it's not like that in most other places. And, like... You ever get, like, vibed by someone for just being you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not necessarily in the oi scene, though. Cool. The oi scene, here's the thing. Like, people who are, like, a little bit older than me and a lot younger than me who are trying to get themselves involved in this stuff or are involved in it or whatever, they're all pretty understanding of all this stuff. And, like, they think I'm cool as shit. But people who are around my age and involved in it, a lot of them are crazy motherfuckers and, like, trying to make it some cruise shit, this and that. Um... So if you go to, like, an oyster show in Philly or something like that uh, and, like, Chris Caton or somebody like that is booking it for you, they're going to police the shit out of that. And if there's a fucking bonehead there, 
that guy will get the shit smacked out of him. Yeah. That happens. But then say when a hip Oi band who plays with mostly like hardcore bands who's not really involved in like the skinhead scene over here, say they're from Europe or something, they're coming in because they're real hype. Those Nazis will show up at those shows because it's all weirdo hipster punk kids. The skinheads aren't there because those kids will say, "Oh, this skinhead scene is problematic or whatever." They just yeah. Blah blah blah, but they, they need us. Sample you know? of that. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, I feel like a lot of this stuff from like weirdo suburban gentrifier kids when they say, "Oh, you're problematic. You're this. You're that." Why is it that it's only like the brown and like Puerto Rican and black kids who that they're saying that shit to? Like, I don't understand. Like, there's so many kids who still navigate the scene today well, who get a pass on that shit. Well, there's a whole sect of being skinhead, right? Like being a sharp. Yeah. That's like skinheads against. Again, uh, I saw a meme the other day. Yeah. yeah. Some uh, lady posted on Twitter. She's like, "There's all sorts of Nazis. There's even Nazis against racism." Sharp means skinheads against racial prejudice. Oh my fucking god, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got... <laughs> that. That's just like, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Well, okay, this is kind of, you know, diverging from the point a little bit from your question or whatever, but since you brought it up, Sharp, skinheads against racial prejudice. My, our guitar player, Duster's guitar player, Manny, Yeah. he, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, his, not his actual uncle, but his, like, Second cousin once removed or something like that. He is his name is Marcus Pacheco. Our guitarist is Manny Pacheco, and Marcus Pacheco was one of the guys who started the original Sharp crew in New York City in the eighties. Fuck yeah, cool. Yeah, or maybe it's nineties or whatever. And that's a time like when it was it was needed, right? Absolutely. And you know, yeah, you had just like all these like black and Puerto Rican and Jewish skinheads from New York who would like get together and do this and that. And you had a lot of people who were like, oh, it's too political, like. If you all those sharps, like if you're not sharp, you're against us, this and that, and it's true, you know. At at some point, it did become like a crew mentality or whatever. But at the same time, like, I agree. It like, might have needed why, to. Why do you? Why? At that point, yeah. You, yeah. you kind of you need to know. As soon as it became appropriated by fucking Nazis and racist yeah. people, like you kind of need to draw a line and be like, all right, we kind of need sure. to know where everyone is on For the sure. shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's wild that I mean. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk we'll Sorry, talk about it all, dude. Yeah. Hey, cut, cut this cut this little part out. Yeah. <laughs> um I I think well part of being skinhead is, is like pride in being working class, right? Yeah. Like for sure. bu- busting your ass, like yeah. gr- having fun, hooliganism. Oh right? yeah. All Get, that stuff. Getting rowdy, speaking your mind. Yeah. And you know, when I started this band and when I first became involved in the OI scene, I wasn't really working class. I was still going to college. I had it in my mind that I'd become an academic and this and that. Yeah. And one of the songs actually offered in a record is called Working Class Transplant. And like the idea of being a transplant in that song isn't... I'm not talking about moving to a big city or something like that. I'm talking about I'm not supposed to be working class, but sure. I have to as a matter of subsistence, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what that song is about. Um, uh, what should I call it? Yeah, like the skinhead scene and like the records that I grew up listening to, all the values that those guys had and imparted onto me. That changed, you know, what I did with my life at that point. You know what I mean? And like, being a skinhead, it's, it's we, you know, we get a rep for being confrontational and this and that. But it's really more about uh, uh, being us being together than for us being against you guys. You know what I mean? Not you guys, but yeah, like yeah. them guys. You know? Totally. Yeah. 
I almost got my ass kicked at a skinhead show. Hey, I man, you're playing some, a ska band. You dude, practically are a skinhead. I said some dumb shit, dude. It was Uh-oh. So we started we started another band, and I sing in it. It's like ska punk, and I don't even... We played at Hub City Stompers, which was rad, but like I didn't expect the crowd to like us. It was just nice that we got to play with them because I love that band, and like they were friends. They put us on. It was cool. But I said some shit about like Papa John stepping down as like the CEO of Papa John's, and then I sent some impolite things about italian i'm italian right we, ah. i said some impolite things about italian people and i'm like oh it's cool i could say it i'm italian but the one person at the show was not cool <laughs> is papa john italian no he's not like even Schnatter or something yeah i'm stupid yeah it's a like, german guy yeah. <laughs> but i was like yeah fucking fucking dumb greasy italian <laughs> i said some, no you're allowed i i thought i was but you know then yeah. the, some of the show was like us italians got to stick together that wasn't cool what your singer said. Uh, like, I was like, oh, uh, man, here we go. Uh, oh, he needs to be proud. Uh, okay, well, okay. I'm sure this dude was a little older, though, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the crowd was like the way I 40 see it, and up. And I have seen this before. I'll see Indian kids in the basements and stuff like that or at a party or something like that. And they'll start playing this fucking minstrel character for their white friends. They'll start making jokes about Indians. They'll start doing an accent, this and that. That shit disgusts me. I want to smack the shit out of kids when I see that. But, you know, the the status of Italian-Americans and Indian-Americans in this country... Different. You know, it's... Yeah, you know, it's not like that no more for you guys, so... Yeah, that, that, know, that's the thing. I felt like we're not oppressed at all, so I can, like, yeah. crack a joke. Yeah. I mean, I think... Indian Americans have been here for a long time too, and if if that's how that kid wants to like bond with his friends, but it, I, there is something kind of gross about that because it feels like you said minstrelly. Minstrel I'm not up. angry at the kid, you know. What I mean, I just it's it just hurts like, oh, me to on. see that. Yeah, you know? I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like because like that kid's gonna choose to assimilate however he wants, and you know, a lot of older skinheads that I know who are people of color, they will say like, "Oh, I'm not into politics," or "Oh, it shouldn't be about race," and this and that. Cause that's the way they assimilated, and that's what works for them. That's fine, whatever. It just hurts me when I hear it, cause like I would want you to join in arms with me against you know our oppressors or sure. whatever. Yeah. Um. You, know, you seen Black Panther yet? No, I haven't. Okay, I'm gonna spoil a little bit. I re- I rarely go to the movies, but like. So do I, but you know I have like one or two a year that I'm like. Saying, I think yeah. the last time I saw in the movies was like. The new Mad Max or something like that. Okay, when did that come out? I don't even know. 2015 or something. Right, I, I saw like, a little while ago. I think Get Out, which was like tw- like. I wanted really... to see that in the theaters. Dude, it, it's good. You see it? No, I saw. Uh, yeah, fucking, I saw a bootleg of it when it first came out, and the quality wasn't good. But I seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to see that new Blade Runner. Word. Oh, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, in the Black Panther movie, there's one of the bad guys is actually like the cousin of the good guy, and he comes to like their mythical country to be like hey we have all this crazy technology there's oppressed people all over the world i want to leak these weapons all over the world and like have us african descent people fight back against our oppressors and the good guy in the movie says no yeah that hurts me you know i mean i want i thought the bad guy had more of a point in that movie you know fight back he should have (laughs) won i don't know yeah, well, because yeah. I mean, things have been offset for so long that, like, vindication, mm-hmm. it feels like it should be more than just equality at this point. Because then it's like, mm-hmm. well, what about getting paid back for the fucking? What about reparations? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, like the Chappelle show. You ever see that Chappelle show yeah. sketch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. How many record labels <laughs> started that day? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I get feeling that way. You know? I mean, they did it in South Africa. 
Yeah. Uh, I, well, you know, maybe, maybe. I'm not uh, smart enough. To I'm talk not. About I don't know shit. the specifics yeah. about it. I'm dumb as shit. I call it. Yeah. I just like, you know, in South Africa, that part of their history, which was not long ago at all, uh, they acknowledge it. And in the United States, you know, people don't want to talk about it. You know, people try to act like it's over, even though, you know, okay, I understand. We most of us, we all understand it should be over. We all understand we shouldn't have to talk about things like this. But for some people, it's a reality where you do have to talk about it even though you don't want to. And for others, yeah. it's something that you can just put on the back burner. Yeah, it's uncomfortable for people. Yeah. And like that's I don't want my ignorance to, to come off as like, I don't want to deal with this. You know? But no. I feel like there was a long time where shit was fucked up. That like, And now it still is, but just in different ways. And not talking oh, yeah. about it is just like kind of... Just yeah. ignoring the fact that there's still like a economic disparity and things like, you know, discrimination yeah. that's yeah. making it unfair. Well, here's the thing. If there's an uncomfortable discussion about race and you or one of your listeners happens to be white, which I know you are, and half, you know, Italians, you know. <laughs> Sicily, baby. Hey, what you call it? <laughs> what you call it? Hey, man, you're practically one of us, you know? <laughs> no, uh, uh. Uh, what is it? If you happen to be in a situation where you feel uncomfortable about the discussion and you might not know about whatever they're talking about, it's perfectly acceptable to say that and to go to the person like, hey, I don't really know about this stuff, so pardon me if I don't really partake in this conversation, yeah. but I'm willing to hear you out about it. Sure. That's like uh, super respectable, but nobody wants to admit that they don't know about something no more. Yeah. It's like, I got Google. All right. <laughs> you see a bunch of nerds like here's quickly a, go to their phones. Listen, here's the Merriam-Webster <laughs> definition of racism. It's when anyone is mean to anybody <laughs> of any race. Actually, 1956, this happened in an offset. Yeah. yeah. No. Sorry, kids. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, you know. You got, you got to be able to, to understand where people are coming from. And if you if you don't know the context, then own up to it. Don't act like you do, you know? 100%. Yeah. That's the thing, you know? Human beings, we're social animals. We're all in it together. You know, you, it's it's okay to learn from your peers. It's okay to not know mu- as much about everything as your peers. What's not okay is when that peer reaches out their hand and says, Hey, I can show you my world. And you just disrespect them. You turn your nose and say, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I feel you. See, I think that, I mean, we were talking about how rowdy shit was a while ago. I mean, if yeah. you think back, like, to t- when there was fucking slavery, like, if you look at, like, the trajectory trajectory of shit, I'd say it's getting better over time. Oh, like, yeah. Just, but people need to keep fighting like it's not getting better. Yeah. And we need to see, like, it's not because there's still things that are fucked up that are still reducing the quality of life for people. Listen, man, if we're having the same conversation two years ago, I would say it's totally getting better. It's very obviously getting better. I don't know anymore. Though. Yeah, I don't weird. even know. Like, it's weird. Like what you call it? Oh I, my I don't, god! I'm what fucking, the hell's going on right I'm now? I'm an apathetic piece of shit with politics, and then yeah. I feel bad. Like man, I should be like at yeah. least knowing. And then it's like I I feel powerless and disenfranchised. Yeah. I, but I was like a Bernie Sanders bro, so like uh, Bernie bro. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's me. One I'm of a the, real socialist. Yeah, huh? yeah. My yeah. uncle's like my Italian conservative family gives me Uh-oh. shit. Like, Uh-oh. oh, what is your? Because I have like an equality tattoo. Like, what does that mean? Oh, you think everyone gets an equal shot? I'm like, I think that yeah. First, everyone should have a chance. Like, to- <laughs> no. Okay, that's the thing is. Everyone should have an equal shot. We're very well aware that no, not everyone has an equal shot. Yeah. And, but that's the thing, you know. They think it means, like, I want everyone equal pay off yeah. the bat. Like, you know. The way, the way that, like, say, Trump's base is mostly working class 
uh, white folks is that like they don't understand that they're rooting against themselves. Like social justice is a is a fight that helps all disenfranchised people. You know, it's mostly a class issue. It's not whatever. I'm getting into a fucking political rant. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. We do a whole other podcast. Blah, you know, blah blah blah. It's good. We'll Point it is. You know, people gotta stop looking at each other like they're enemies. You know, yeah. who cares if, uh, oh, uh, you don't believe in guns? Uh, I believe in guns. Okay, you don't have to own a gun. The gun violence, the mass murders are not happening in this country because of, uh, oh, you're allowed to own a gun or whatever. It's not because of the Second Amendment. The the debate is, why are they so prominent? Why is it this? Why is it that? And it's because why are, of why campaign are they so ac- finance accessible? Yeah. yeah, you need to reform Why are guns that like shit? that manufactured that yeah, much? It's because the NRA and the gun lobby is literally they're pushing the guns so hard in places where those places things are prominent. And obviously, there's going to be some overspill because they're making a shit ton of money over it. The amount of guns a- we have right now, you don't need to make anymore. You no. can have a perfectly fine like antique gun market. Yeah, and still have the Second Amendment or whatever. Well, and I think that the Second Amendment was created because like we need to defend ourselves against the government. But now it's just like I need to defend myself against my neighbor because like I'm doing a uh, redneck yeah. <laughs> accent that's fucked up. But like well, I, it just comes from like uh, you know it's not that it's, fucked up. It, I don't. Know. It's just I don't here's know, the thing though. I'm anti-government and I do believe yeah. You know I think that the idea of every citizen giving up every gun and the only people who have guns being the police. Me as a, a man of color walking around every day, like if I'm walking around in a certain neighborhood I've never been through, been to, I'm looking over my shoulder and it's not for muggers or something like that. It's for cops. You I, know? Feel, I feel that. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable with a situation like that. And if you look at it, there's articles about it. I can show you. If you, yeah, I'm going to share this on the Dusters Facebook page. Look for it around February 2018. Okay. Uh, gun control legislation is rolled out in a way that is typically pretty racist. Huh. They don't. They don't. They don't go to all the farms in Montana or whatever because, you know, it would take you a fucking year to do your work, right? They will go to the concentrated cities, the fucking inner city areas, the black and brown neighborhoods where they'll say, oh, yeah, these types of guns are banned, so we're just going to do no-knock raids on your whole block to look for the guns. Oh, fuck. And after, like, raiding 20 houses, maybe they'll find one. Yeah. And then it becomes like a... Gun control is a racist thing, and uh, and most people don't know about that stuff. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. even that point you had about like how it just cops out guns. I never, as a white guy, I never thought about that, but it's fucking, it's true. That's why we gotta have these conversations, and that's why, like, you know, and I hate to say this, I hate to sound like some kind of centrist or whatever, but when you have a white friend, especially that you care about, and you're a person of color, and you're like, oh, it's not my job to educate you, this and that. I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about the communal feeling of sitting down with your friend and being like, hey, this is the way it is. Like, you know, most people don't tell you that stuff, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, you're going to make a lot more friends. You're going to do a lot more for us brown folk by talking to your friends like that instead of talking down to your friends. Yeah, you know? it's true. Or just pulling up your points and yeah. posting them. You yeah. Know? And jokes is jokes. Jokes is one thing, right? Yeah. I'm but, a big joke guy. But, like, if I'm with somebody and I don't understand that stuff, like, all apologies. I'm like, hey, you listen, I don't actually hate whites. But most of my friends who I apologize to think I'm insane for doing that stuff because they're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. But not everybody is. No, totally. You can't make assumptions and assume that everybody is. No, you can't. All right, so let's talk about dusters because you got some shit coming in 2018. Then. Oh yeah, a lot of a lot of shit yeah, is yeah. coming out. Um, we're actually I think sometime around next month. We're oh, wait, it's February, right? So like I think like April, we're putting out a new tape on a label called Crowd Control Media. Cool. Um, Where are they based out of? Do you know? The crowd control media is based out of, I believe, California and Texas. Cool. Um, 
And uh, my buddy Sheldon is the guy that runs it, and he's like an accountant and a novelist. Uh, and he just like his whole thing, his like writing style is there's like a couple of his like Richard Allen like skinhead and suedehead and mod novels or whatever. Okay. And that guy just wants to rip that off, but in like an American <laughs> context or whatever. Sure. And he's like his like username on this like writing website is like subculture writer or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this shit's cool. It might not be like Hemingway or some shit, but it's fun. You know, interesting shit to read. That's neat. And he's putting out all these records and this and that. So he's putting out that tape for us. And um, uh, there's there's three songs, and it's going to be our 2018 demo. And those three songs, along with uh, eight more songs, are going to be put out on Wax, on an LP. By the end of the year, uh, the label putting that out is called Rawhead Records from Toronto. There's a little bit of drama involving the guy that runs that label, too. Oh, no. We'll talk about it in a sec, but uh, it's going to be, yeah, 11 tracks, maybe a couple of reprises, reprise, I've ever pronounced that, yeah, yeah. from the original demo, um, but it's all new tracks that we, we recorded uh, at uh, Tracks East in South River, which, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, the Misfits and Woo! the Hatebreed and, uh, and uh, Dude, this place and that, is so Lifetime. Tight. I recorded there yeah. when I was 14, and I was like... <laughs> I was like just fucking taking it back, yeah. you know. Yeah. I was there. We were there for a day in the Dude, three songs. But we're sitting there, and I'm going to take a piss, and I walk out. And I'm like looking at all these like masters I have just like lined the walls. Yeah, dude. And I'm looking at the original masters for like the E Town Concrete LP and this yeah. and that. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? It's wild. Hatebreed. A yeah. lot of fucking yeah. bands, dude. Did you record with Chris Pierce? Ah, uh, no, no, no. I didn't even know he worked there. He owns it now. He owns it. Yeah, now? I'm oh. trying to get him to do a podcast, but he just like yeah. bought that place. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah. No, I work. Uh, we worked with this guy, Sean Kenny. He sings in a band called Prospect. Okay. Uh, a hardcore band from like Tom's River area. Cool. He's a really good kid, and he really knows what he's doing. And like for that style of music, too, you need a certain mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. You know, you need like yeah, it's got to hit the right way. Yeah. So. so we're sitting in the room that they cut like you know Lifetime Hello Bastards in. You know, yeah. fucking recording our record. Got some Canadian fella, my buddy Darcy, who I know if you're listening to this. You heard the things about Darcy. You might think I'm something, but let's talk, all right? My buddy Darcy. Is that the dude from the label? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he okay. put up all the money for the record, so like we're getting the royal treatment. And, and recording, too? or Recording, everything. Oh, wow. He's putting up all that the money so for tight. the record, the recording. Hell yeah. And like he's putting up the money for Crowd Control Media's release as well, because like, he paid for the recording, right? So we're taking those tracks. And CCM's putting it out, and I told him, he was like, I don't give a fuck, it's good promotion. You know what I mean? That's tight. That's that, really cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your call? And I got the record's been mastered. There's two different masters. So the tape versions of those songs that are coming out on Crowd Control Media are going to be, uh, it has a more raw, like in your face master than the, what's going on in the record. Mastered by uh, Don Fury, who, uh, I don't, if you don't know that name, you know, I feel sorry for you because. You know, there's a couple records like uh, the Gorilla Biscuits start today. Yeah, uh, you know, man. Agnostic Front, Victim and Pain EP. This yeah. and that. That's oh, the guy that recorded all that stuff. Youth oh. of Today. All these great original New York hardcore bands. Master our shit. Is it all done? It's all done. Yeah, send me just like one track. If you oh, don't yeah. mind, I won't send oh, it yeah. to anyone. Actually, uh, what should I call it? I mentioned that song earlier, Working Class Transplant. If you want to do some like... Computer magic. If I, can I put it on the podcast? Yeah. You know oh. what? Actually, hey, hey, folks, uh, folks at home, this is my uh, new track from the Dusters LP, East Coast Realism. The song's called Working Class Transplant.
Yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah, what'd you guys think? Huh? I'll, I'll splice it. You gotta send it tonight, though. I'll splice it and drop it in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, or tomorrow. This will go yeah. up on Wednesday. But uh, Yeah, I'll send it to you as soon as I leave here. So, one yeah. LP sometime later, summer? Uh, yeah, probably around summertime. Cool, man. Trying to do a couple of weekends. And yeah, some get out there. Yo, you got an LP. Get out Get yeah. out as many weekends as you can. Dude. That's the thing about this band. Like, Dusters, I've been in bands before. I've done, like, the whole tour thing before. I had to work my ass off for it. Dusters... We have hardly left. No. Yeah, we've hardly left. I think it ha- it's happened twice. The New York, New Jersey, Philly area to play. But it's come to us so easily. Good. And, like, there's never been anyone who's wanted to put almost 2000 bucks into my bands before. Yeah, that's fucking you awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yo, people, this is the place to be. People mm-hmm. want to come here. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I saw a band post a tour recently, and they it was like one date in like the South, and then like five shows, Philly, Connecticut, Boston, Jersey, New York. Like yeah. the, the Northeast yeah. is a good, really good place to be. It's just a fucking hothouse over yeah, here. It's be- yeah, you can get to so many places in a weekend, dude. Absolutely. Connecticut does like cool fucking oil yeah. fests and shit. And that's the thing, like, say, like, with Canada or whatever, you've got some pretty cool major cities to play, 
But you've got like five hour drives between each one. Yeah, like, to- Montreal from here is like six and a half. Toronto yeah. to Montreal is like another fucking eight. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Auto man. Open space. Yeah, it's a big ass country. You yeah, know? <laughs> but if you can tour Canada mm-hmm. and like become like, it, like they'll respect that, you know, like because yeah. they know that you fucking have to drive. Well, well, Dusters has never played in Canada, but when Desjardins would play in Canada back in the day, we had. Okay, well, here's a funny experience. I'm going to tell you two stories from when Disobey used to go to Canada, all right? Uh, we used to get so much money, first of all. That's that insane. I've never gotten paid that much money until recently with Dusters. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one, uh, we show up in Hamilton, Ontario, and this is right after I'd broken edge, and I was right after I'd broken edge and graduated from high school. Okay. We just hopped right in the van. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have that sentence in their lives. But oh, yeah, yeah. You're good, yeah. Uh, watch him recall. We meet this guy at this record store that he volunteers at, and he takes us back to his apartment. He smokes us up, shows us his record collection. Yeah, yeah. We see, like, this horror movie, this low-budget horror movie that he was in, and his band was in, and it's, like, really great. I actually forget this guy's name now, but his name, his band's name was Gunnar Hansen. Okay. Back in the day. And we play the show in that he booked for us in Hamilton, Ontario. It was at some bar, and like it was like a hardcore show, and like everyone was really stoked on us being there. But the singer for this one band, he goes like, "Oh yeah, this uh, song goes out to disobey. You know, thanks guys for coming up here. You know, it's not fair what all those people say about Americans. They're not stupid. You know, this and that." <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second, what?" Yeah, yeah. And then we're outside talking to another guy. They're smoking cigarettes and shit, and. You know, he's like, so what's it like down there? Uh, and we're man. just like, oh, you know, it's like uh, pretty much like this. Yeah. He's like, really? You think so? Like, yeah. We're like, yeah. He's like, don't like, don't doesn't you know doesn't everybody like not believe in abortion over there? Something like, no, we're from New Jersey, pal. We've got a pretty it's, good education system over yeah, there. Yeah. And he's like. Pfft. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he walks shade. away. They throw, throw shade in Montreal. I got yeah. vibed because I didn't speak French. Yeah. So right away they're fucking mad at you. Cause yeah. yeah. They, they just like respect that so much. Yeah. But yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, another time we played in Canada. Okay, I'm going to tell two more. Sorry. I no, that's I'm all good. Tell, yeah. tell two total, but three uh, total. Um. Okay, so, uh, you know, just broken edge, just turned 18 or whatever. Um, we fucking played at this squat called Death House. Okay. And I met the guy from, you've seen him on the internet before. He's got like the skeleton tattoo all over every square inch of his body or whatever. His name's Rico Zombie Boy. Okay. I'll show you a pic. He was in that like weird movie, 47 Ronin or whatever. I don't know. Okay. Just some like internet figure, internet famous guy because he has a bunch of tattoos everywhere. I met him there. He had a bunch of these crusty kids like hopping off of freight trains and walking right into our show. It was insane. I don't know. I didn't even know where the fuck I was. Uh, I might have fallen in love a couple times that night uh, as a young 18-year-old edge breaker or whatever. Sure. Uh, Montreal is insane. And like people will hit you up like if you're playing a show in Montreal. Uh, knowing you're an American band and like ask to like borrow something or whatever. But like they'll send the whole message in French. They won't even attempt to like... They don't even think that people speak English. You know yeah, what I mean? They yeah. think it's a myth. It's different. Uh, then it's, it's really, that's the only part of Canada. Like that province, I yeah, guess. Yeah, Quebec. You get yeah. to Toronto, it's all English, you know? Hey, you know what? I support them. You know, they should just It's see. cool. Fuck it. Yeah, roots. Fuck whatever. the Brits, man. Yeah, Fuck yeah. the Queen. Why is she on their money still? You know? <laughs> no, but uh, when we were heading back to the U.S. from that tour, we played in uh, Portsmouth, Maine. Okay. And uh, we were walking around. That's where the Bruisers is from, actually. One of the first, uh, not first, but early U.S. Oi band. Word. Um, 
walking around looking for the beer store and uh um we're like well i just called it you know like that the way we said it too because that's what they call it in canada right the beer store yeah and so yeah we go up to this guy we see him on the street he's got a hat on and some like shorts or whatever you know sweat stains visible on his shirt and like hey uh you know me and uh our guitarist pat duffy you know pat duffy yeah it's um, a long time uh yeah yo county drop represent <laughs> Uh, we're walking around and we'd been in Canada for like five days. We had a couple days off after our Montreal show. We're just hanging out and we're just wasted the whole time. Right. So we're like, Hey man, where's the beer store? Yeah. Where's the beer store? (laughs) It's funny when you said it before it came off Canadian too. I was thinking about that. So the guy is like, guys see this like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right this way. Yeah. Come with me fellas. And like walks us to the, the store and like we pick up a 30 rack of PBRs or whatever. He's like. Oh, no, no, you guys should put that back. Like, here, drink one of these instead. And he grabs us a Budweiser. I'm like, ugh, like, what the fuck? Like, okay, I guess, whatever. Uh, And then we go to pay, and the guy goes like, no, 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 it's on me, fellas. The guy pays, he hands us a thing, and we're leaving. We're like, hey, thank you so much. Like, you didn't have to do that. Like, you didn't even know that, like... Or like where we're from or whatever. It's like, oh no, I could tell you guys were from out of town. Like, welcome to America, fellas. Oh. And walks away. <laughs> nice. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm taking this beer. Yeah, that's so. awesome. <laughs> that's also like just, I guess, main hospitality. Because in Jersey, be yeah. like, yeah, it's over there. Leave me alone. Like, yeah. I'm not buying any beer. Yeah, in Jersey, be like, what the fuck is a beer store? <laughs> it's like a, a liquor store. Yeah, then they're walking away. Yeah. You take out your phone and film them and be like, yo, check out this weird Canadian yeah. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking tourist. <laughs> yeah, man. Canada's cool, though. It's yeah. cool you got some good stories on the road. Yeah, right, man. Yo, Duster should get out there, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's harder for us now because we're older and, like, we all have actual commitments in life. It but only gets harder, let me tell you. That's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just do it as much as you can and keep fighting uphill, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, hoping hoping to do that, like, do a couple of things with the new LP coming out. It might end up being, like, we only put out a new record every two years and, like, only do, like, week-long tours in Europe every, like, five years or something like that. <laughs> you know, such is the tradition. That's still with, tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what American Oi bands are like. You yeah. know, they never break up. They never, like, really put out that much material, but they're always doing all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that's not that's not a bad aspiration at all, man. Yeah, you know. Go I mean, out, Go out and have fun. One could only hope, right? Exactly. But at the same time, I'm young, and I feel like a lot of the sound of Dusters and a lot of the message... Like, uh, we have a song called Ghetto Skins off the LP, and it's just about being a skinhead and being a hood rat at the same time. I think so much of it, you know, being young and being from an urban area is essential to it and just having a big group of friends. And, like, I know this group of friends. You know, we're, our lives are intersecting right now, but it's not going to be like that forever. People walk out of your life all the time. Sure, yeah. And so, you know, I guess like that's another thing you ask about, like, what does Dusters write about or whatever, but it's just, like, Dusters... I think what I want people to take away from it more than any overarching message, even though there are many, is that this is us. This is the way that the kids that we hang out with are. This is the way it was in New Brunswick in 2017, 2018. So maybe 10 years, 20 years when some kid finds out, hey, I'm a skinhead. There used to be this skinhead band from here called this and that. You know, maybe they'll think that shit's really cool. Hell yeah, man. I had I recently had um, that experience Pedro showed me that band, um, you know, one of your previous guests, Pedro. He showed me that band, uh, Nibla Kenbane, which is one of the first U.S. OI bands. They started in, like, 84. Antiheroes started in, like, 85. They put out a record before Nibla Kenbane, but, like, still. Nibla Kenbane, I think, started earlier. And, like, uh, whatchamacallit. 
You know, it's one of the first U.S. oi bands. They're from right here in New Brunswick. And, like, them and, like, those unknown, wretched ones. All these bands are singing about, like, going down to bars and stuff. They're probably talking about Alan Witch. Same bars like we're that. hitting. Yeah, 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 and, like, that's cool. That's so important, you know? Yeah. Most places ain't like that. New Brunswick's special. Yeah, a piece of history and culture. And you, you guys are keeping it alive. Respect. You know? pe- pe- you. People hear that shit and be stoked on it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, you play some of the same shows with us, so you too, pal. Yeah, yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. Hell yeah. Check out Dusters. Woo!